Thank you. Right. Are you suggesting that someone's trying to make a real-life sequel? Stab 2? Who'd want to do that? Sequels suck. No. Two in the box! Ready to go! We be fast and they be slow! Wow! A second Super Saiyan? Second in order, perhaps, but by no means in stature. Your fight is with me now. I'll have my revenge and Deathstalker, too. Man, I can't fucking believe this. Another basement, another elevator. How can the same shit happen to the same guy twice? Oh, please, please. By definition alone, they're inferior films. It is one of the strangest tales ever told. I think it will thrill you. It may shock you. It might even horrify you. So if any of you feel that you do not care to subject your nerves to such a strain, now's your chance to, uh, well, we warned you. Well, happy uh, holiday season month, listeners. You are tuned in to Inside the Sequel, the podcast where we talk about sequel movies that don't get enough love or attention that they deserve, but also your one-stop shop for all horror sequels during the month of October. And I'm your host, as always, Chris. And today, we are talking about the controversial sequel to the 1973 film The Exorcist. We're talking about 1977's The Exorcist Two. The Heretic. Four years ago, the exorcist shocked the world. Now, the struggle between good and evil goes on. Exorcist 2, The Heretic. Linda Blair, Richard Burton, Louise Fletcher, Max Vincito, James Earl Jones, Exorcist 2, The Heretic. In a movie that's riddled with controversy, it's been claimed as one of the worst movies ever made, and by some, it's also claimed as notoriously over-ragged on. And you know what? A movie that came out where if you asked me, would you rather go see George Lucas' Star Wars in theaters, or would you rather go see The Exorcist 2? I might say Exorcist 2 at some points, but <laughs> just to stir the pot, there you go. But uh, today we have an awesome guest. It's no, it's no surprise. She's one of my favorite guests to have on the podcast. It's always a great time. Excuse me. With episodes where we had the talks of the Alien franchise, where we talked about the El Mariachi franchise, we have the wonderful Carmelita Valdez. Carmelita, how are you today? Thanks for coming back on. Hey, Chris. I'm so pleased to be back. We're going to be stirring the pot tonight. And because it's October, it's a cauldron. We're stirring the cauldron <laughs> with this with mm-hmm. this discussion. Mm-hmm. Right. Cue like the witches like laugh right yes. there. Um, yeah, this one's definitely good. I think, I, I, again, I said before recording, this is going to be episode where it could go so many ways. I am so cautiously optimistic. <laughs> I feel so stressed out about this. Like when I talked about Hello, Mary Lou. Uh, prom night too where it's like it's a movie you can talk about like i said before recording it's a movie you could talk about all night with your friends while you're drunk or it's like a movie where you're like yep and then that's it <laughs> depending on the person <laughs> no stress my friend this is no. gonna be fun i i enjoy this film and i enjoy talking about this film and i don't get enough opportunities so 
see, that's nice to know I'm because stuck. for a second, I thought you were wanting to do this episode because of the Scream Factory Shocktober sale, which, of course, most of our viewers are slaves to capitalism and they shell out outrageous <laughs> amounts of money for during any sort of Blu-ray sale. And they post their they post their receipts um, in group chats and on social media like for clout. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I know you get a free T-shirt, but you have like a two and three XL T-shirt that's on there. Like you're the horror slobs that I talk about. <laughs> I can't believe I just made that joke. That's so terrible. Oh my goodness. Consumerism is rife. <laughs> right. Well, you know, so so I actually, I had the opportunity to go on the shelf shedding movie show hosted mm-hmm. by uh, Jason Dubray. And, and we did like, we talked about religious horror, like six different films. And this is one of them. So I, mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to talk about it a little bit, but it was, you know, it was like a short segment within a much larger discussion about other religious horror. And, and I have since, I mean, I've, re- I've watched this movie many times. And after that discussion, it kind of like, I don't, I kind of got the taste for it. Like there's so much more to say here like in a longer discussion about this film. And we recently lost the wonderful actor, Louise Fletcher, rest in peace Mm -hmm. to her. Um, And my kind of in memoriam watch at her passing was Exorcist to the Heretic. Wow. So I feel like we're going to have a good time with this because this was your first time. Yeah. It was. You, you took my Exorcist 2 virginity with this one, but it was a movie <laughs> that I had always wanted to see because of the uh, the controversy around it. And, you know, when a movie's categorized as one of the worst movies ever made, now, I to me, it's like you have to prove – you got to be right about that because it's like <laughs> I can think of so many other movies that I consider some of the worst movies ever made. You know, when I can – I could think of some movies like – off the top of my head, Vice comes up. Um, the Fighter, maybe. Um, to stir the pot, maybe Shawshank Redemption a little bit. Uh, there are some unwatchable films, and I would argue that this is definitely not unwatchable. This yeah, is a if very you're com- watchable if you- film. Yeah, it's like, oh, you know, Terrifier and Cannibal Holocaust are like my comfort films. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but those are like some of, at least. <laughs> Cannibal Holocaust is like definitely one of the worst movies ever made for other reasons, as well as like it not being a very good looking film. Uh, but then with this, it's like, huh? Part of me thinks either you overexpected too much in this movie or you weren't intelligent enough to process this film. That's where I'm at right Ooh. now. Ooh, I like it. This is it's, this is going to be a spicy one. Right, I... but before we get before we get going, with <laughs> okay, the problem, I okay. need to know the viewers want to know what, what have you been up to? It's been a while since you've been on, and I guess it's partially my fault, but also I just like to let pe- <laughs> viewers know we're people too. You know, we don't yes. sit around for podcast episodes watching. Podcasters have lives, believe it or not. <laughs> believe it or not, I know it's hard to believe. So you know, October is my favorite month all year. Although mm-hmm. I will say my favorite season is winter, but my favorite month is October. Interesting. It's, it's my birthday month. Mm-hmm. This year I'm going on a trip. I'm going to London. So hello to all of the <laughs> UK listeners of Inside the Sequel. See, I, I'd say Elliot. I Cohen love would your be island one. nation, and I will be there for a little a little trip to celebrate my birthday. And then we have Halloween. 
podcasting, this is the best month for podcasting. It's definitely like the time of the year where podcasters podcasters try to get their shit together. <laughs> is what I was putting out it. a lot of great content as a as a guest mm-hmm. on various shows like I get to have a lot of fun talking to different people about horror movies, which I adore. So it's a good time. So I've been busy with that just and then just living life, my friends. Yes, uh, I would say to reach uh, to hit up Elliot Cohen from YouTube, uh, the Boutique Label YouTube channel. But I think I recently slandered him on an episode, so I don't know if he like is subscribed to the channel anymore. <laughs> Elliot you, Cohen, you if you're to, listening, like, you need to like keep a list of people you've slandered, so you like you know. <laughs> I'm really about to like leak out like you... all the DMs that I've had with John <laughs> Flickinger on Twitter. Um, I'm about to just drop those at this point because I'm getting tired of it. But, <laughs> uh, but yes, I, I love October because like I said, there's so many great episodes and there's so many great people. I feel like, you know, Christmas is like the time where everyone's like, oh, got to put out like Christmas watch watches and like, you know, is Die Hard, like Christmas movie and all that stuff. But Halloween is more or less like, what I love about it is there's so much great stuff coming out in October. A lot of the great movies wait until October to come out. And so you have a lot to talk about there. And then like these retrospectives come out, right? So with this movie, we talk about The Exorcist 2. You talk about, we have to talk about The Exorcist first because it is, it's one of those sequels where I kind of enjoy where it kind of just plays right off the first one. It mm-hmm. goes straight into it. Um, of course, of like most sequels, why I like them is it veers off in an entirely different direction as well, which is great. But um, when we talk about the first Exorcist movie, obviously it's it's historic, it's legendary. People have so many different experiences with this movie. We got to talk about the first Exorcist. Do you remember when you first saw it in like your first reactions with it? Vividly. Mm-hmm. It was a very memorable experience. So now, and it's kind of funny because. I watched a lot of age inappropriate things as a little kid. Like there was no rule around that in my house. We watched whatever my parents were watching and my dad mm-hmm. would watch all kind, all manner of violence and you know, whatever. And we were allowed, but we had never watched the exorcist. And then I, I went to a sleepover at a friend's house. I was 13 and her father rented it for us. And we grew up Catholic. She and I went to the same church. We were mm-hmm. in catechism classes together. Uh, yeah, I've been there. And, and so, you know, big Catholic family. And so before putting the movie on, her dad sat us down and he gave us the talk. Oh. The talk about how demonic possession, like the devil is working hard to come for your soul. This stuff is for real. And you need to be ever vigilant because the fight between good and evil is raging. Now, to this day, I do not know if he was just saying all of that just to scare us before the film, like to get us like riled up so that when we saw The Exorcist, we would be extra scared. Mm -hmm. Or if he was dead serious. I'll to this day never know. (laughs) But that little that little talk, that little that little warning, the PSA I got before watching The Exorcist definitely ramped it up a notch. Mm -hmm. First time I saw The Exorcist, I was just blown away at what I was seeing. The crucifix scene 
Mm-hmm. I remember just being like, my jaw dropped. It was life changing. And The Exorcist is my favorite horror movie of all time. Wow. Just dropping the mic. I did not know that until you said that. So I got to really, really watch my tongue here. Oh, no, no. You should <laughs> you should speak truth, my friend. So I am similar to you. I was raised Catholic as well. And, you know, it felt like I had that kind of conversation for every, like, sort of horror movie I had. You know, like, you know, this this character is fictional, but, like, there's people in real life that will kill people. So you have to watch out. That's a sin. You know, nightmare people. If you have bad thoughts, some demon may come after you. Maybe not Freddy Krueger, but another one, right? Uh, but then with The Exorcist, came, I don't know. We just alluded to The Exorcist, but we loved watching like The Exorcist of like Emily Rose. Mm. Um, you know, those type of paranormal activity movies. You know, not necessarily The Exorcist specifically. I remember even watching Amityville Horror before this. You know, ghosts are real, demons. You know, like be careful and. I remember that growing up, but the exorcist always was never one that we talked about until like, I was like 17, mm. 17 or 18. I was pretty much like older then. And, um, actually I say older, but I was still dumb as shit and immature as hell, but <laughs> <laughs> I was still like such a lover of movie. Like, you know, kids would sneak porno mags in their rooms and hide them from their parents. But for me, I was hiding my DVD player. So like I could put on like. <laughs> high art cinema and like classic cinema and watch them on school nights. It really was like Godfather two is in my DVD set right now. At you don't like want to get caught PM. in the act. Exactly. That. The scariest time was when I was watching Schindler's list and I was so scared. My parents were going to catch me watching at 11 PM on a Tuesday night. Cause that's how I watched Schindler's list. But <laughs> that's true. That's really true. true um, story. Right. Right. <laughs> and, uh, with the Exorcist, I, I rented it. Obviously, I didn't have to worry about any of that bullshit anymore. But I remember thinking, like, I can't. I think I'm ready for this, like, in my mind, monumental film. And uh, when I watch it, I watch it with my mom. And, like, holy shit, I was genuinely terrified by this movie. Um, the effects are great. It And at the time, you know, on rewatch, it changes. But now at the first time, you know, building it up in my head and being so involved with this movie, it's a two-hour movie. But, like, if you really invest yourself into it, it runs like butter. It moves very fast. And, like, I just, it just worked for me then. And, oh my gosh, like I said, the crucifix scene, I was like, wow, I never thought I'd see that in a movie before. Um, <laughs> that's that's insane. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, man. Well, it's even just, like- just mundane things, like when Reagan is going to all the doctors and they're doing like a series of tests and medical procedures on her, like even that stuff is frightening. Mm-hmm. It's and all I watched these little it. details. Yeah. And you know, I didn't notice that stuff as much until I was much older. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But um, when I watched it the first time it was, it felt very much like this, struggle between science and religion but religion was definitely like being pushed more it felt like because that was the scarier context of the movie and in this movie i had it on blu-ray i had i watched the theatrical um edition and it had a an intro by william Franken, the director and who was a chicago native as well which was kind of cool to you know learn about but um he uh, did an introduction about like his uh, process with the movie. And so I thought it was so awesome because he talks about how that movie, 
you know, inspired him. And even though he wasn't very religious, he was inspired by the story and terrified. And some of it were based on true events. And like me as an 18 year old, like, oh, man, it's inspired by true events. Like what stuff is real and stuff like that. And it kind of worked for me. Um, I loved Linda Blair, this movie as a uh, as an 18 year old. And even now, it's just such a really good performance. And um, Pat and seeing Maximin Snowden before I even knew who Maximin Snowden was was awesome. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you remember like were you going in thinking like, wow, this stuff actually happened? Like I was when I was younger, or were you just like, that's an awesome scene from a movie, and I never thought I'd see that on film before? Uh, so the latter, mm-hmm. although like again, having grown up religious and having grown up specifically Catholic, there's always that like. I don't know if I believe, but what if the nuns were telling the truth? <laughs> right. That like hedge your bets where you're like, I don't know if that's real. For real, for real. But if the nuns were were right, like I might I might wanna like be careful. <laughs> so, <laughs> like maybe so I'll many, think twice so about things, this. Yeah. So many things in my in my young life was like, I don't mm-hmm. know if I'm a hundred percent on board, but <laughs> I'm not taking any chances. Uh-huh. Um, so you know, I I mean, I just Catholicism is a spooky religion. I which it is, is why I think it's so perfect mm-hmm. for being a central theme or part of the narrative of a horror film because it is a very spooky kind of macabre morose no it is (laughs) form of christianity and so it lends itself all the ritual all the everything that the clergy wear it's -hmm. all very dramatic um, it's traditional, actually. Yes, well, yes, <laughs> it is traditional. But mm-hmm. you know, there's a there's a sense of drama to it aesthetically, mm-hmm. which gives a movie like The Exorcist just this great look about it. There's just so much you can draw from that mm-hmm. well <laughs> of the inherent spookiness of Catholicism. And so yes. I remember too, like, I liked the themes it was exploring around, you know, science versus religion and and coming out in the 70s like that's very timely the catholic church was in the midst of some big changes following the vatican ii council Mm -hmm. and so the church was trying to modernize in its own way which i think to an outsider doesn't look very modern at all but (laughs) but they were making they were trying to make some changes and they were kind of trying to adjust with the times a little bit yeah pope john paul ii was like arguably the most like in like not important but the most like popular like anything remotely religion at the time too yeah it's so you know it's like a pivotal time where people are kind of more secular like people aren't a lot of people kind of getting away from the really traditional mm-hmm. um, social practices and families are changing divorce and just a lot going on in the seventies. And, and so the exorcist is exploring those themes at a really interesting time socially. And I think as those trends continue, like, mm-hmm the film continues to me to still be relevant. That question of like, the more we learn about 
about the universe and the world and how it works. And then you try to grapple with what is the value of faith? Like all of those things are really interesting to think about. And mm -hmm. you can go there with the exorcist or you can just freak out about heads rotating 180 <laughs> degrees and like, <laughs> and vomiting pea soup and the little help me coming through the stomach. Like you can just, you can just take in the spectacle of it and be creeped out mm -hmm. and you can dig deeper and think harder about it. It lends itself to both of those things, which is one of the things I love about it. Mm -hmm. No, and I totally agree. Like maybe it's because we share this type of like Hispanic Catholic background. Um, for my family, Mexican growing up, though very you know Catholic, oddly superstitious as well. Oh, for sure. <laughs> which, which does it and does go hand in hand with Catholicism, and uh, that's partially why I still identify as like a non-participating Catholic. Mostly because of like the self-deprecation and like the negative stuff that comes with being Catholic, so <laughs> I can kind of shit on myself. All yeah, the guilt, I mean, all the shame. I am one hundred percent Catholic <laughs> guilt to this day still gets. I can't. I I bump. I I inconvenience myself for someone, and I still apologize and say I'm so sorry. You know, it's like I buy one Blu-ray, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, I'm such it's a fucking bad person. It's definitely the kind of thing that like once a Catholic. Mm -hmm. Like it's in there. You don't ever mm -hmm. really a hundred percent get rid of it. Like it's kind of always there under the surface. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Okay. So, see, so you get it. You you understand like my struggle with. Oh, faith. I do. I do. And, and definitely I... having like a personal experience with the religion mm -hmm. heightens the experience of watching The Exorcist. I think probably I would imagine when the movie, when Exorcist, when the Exorcist first came out, even people who weren't religious were probably freaked out because like, you just never seen anything like that before. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, I would be curious for a first time viewer that doesn't have a personal experience with Catholicism, if yeah. this would hit in the same way. But I like to think that it, that it would. I hope so. Yeah. You try to see things like the studios try to recapture that type of thing with like the nun, obviously um, these exorcist movies. Mm -hmm. I think, what was that one movie that was in Spanish that came out on Netflix years ago? Was it Veronica? Maybe. Oh, or something the like Ouija that. board. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like that was popular for a little bit. Um, yeah. Catholic horror. Uh, other than midnight mass, I can't think of anything that's like insanely embedded in like some sort of Catholicism, Christianity. I've got one sort. for you. It came out, I think, last year. Mm -hmm. Agnes. Haven't seen that. It might be on Hulu. It was streaming a couple of places for a while. It got kind of lost in the shuffle mm -hmm. of, you know, the pandemic. Okay. You know how stuff would like come out and like a bunch of stuff was delayed mm. and then stuff came out and then they all kind of oh. came out and things kind of got, you would hear hmm. about some things, but not others. Yeah. Check out Agnes. Okay. Cause that takes place I, in a convent. Interesting. Also, I yeah. really do need to check out, um, it's called the apostle. I think it came out 2018. I'm not sure if that's in strict, like 
like it's about Catholicism, but I hear, you know, I hear apostle, I think religion, horror, and I'm like, that sounds really good. And I've been told plenty of times on Netflix, oh, that's on, it's on Netflix, excuse me, that it's pretty good. So, but yeah, I think The Exorcist is, you can, that movie I think is universally a movie you respect, but maybe don't love, or you do love, um, because of different reasons. For me, the more I watch it, the more I start to think that, uh, excuse me. Uh, that like I I love the the character of Damien Karras, the father who's losing yes. his faith due to human things. His character I think grows stronger for me more than Linda Blair's character. Where early on I felt so bad for this poor child that has to go through this random scary event that and that traumatizes her. Um, but then I think Doctor Karras and also Lee Cobb is in it, so it's like obviously this is a f- movie made by a f- lover of film with William Friedkin. And he puts himself in with Lee Cobb, who's also an insanely huge movie nerd. He brings kind of that vibe of like, oh, I love this character. He's kind of like, um, oh, why am I blanking on his name right now? Um, in Jackie Brown, uh, Robert Forrester. Yes. He's essentially Robert Forrester before Robert Forrester and Jackie Brown. And I love that. I think most movies need a character like that that brings that kind of <sighs> – you, you know, down to earth approach to things. In some no, way absolutely. When... Yeah. And mm-hmm. the exorcist has these really interesting characters mm-hmm. beyond just the crazy possession stuff that's happening in the room. Like father Karis is interesting mm-hmm. and we're just as invested in him as we are the outcome of, of what will happen with Reagan. Mm-hmm. Um, Max von Sydow's character, Father Marin, he's really mm-hmm. interesting. And you just get kind of a hint of this man having a very long history of, of study, global travel as an archaeologist, as an exorcist. And we don't hear his whole backstory. We get enough to be intrigued by this man. It's, it's, I think it's, I mean, it's a masterpiece. And I think that's part of what, I mean, and hey, we'd have to ask someone who hates Exorcist 2 to really <laughs> get them to tell us why. But I mm-hmm. suspect, whether consciously or subconsciously, the shadow of the Exorcist looms large over Exorcist 2. There was no way in hell you could make a sequel to The Exorcist and have it be as good. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. impossible. It's impossible. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. And I I think William Franken doing The Exorcist is interesting. He just came off doing The French Connection and then does The Exorcist, you know, but still has that. Franken had a really interesting uh, career. A lot of really Mm -hmm. interesting films. And yeah, then, and then you, before nothing. we even talk about cruising with Al Pacino, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, oh, I love cruising. Awesome. Yeah, shout out. Pa- I mean, Chicago guy with one of my favorite actors that people say I look like, which I take as a compliment, you know, cruising. <laughs> like, best of both worlds. Anyway, but yeah, yeah, how do you follow up The Exorcist? But And then, like, does The Exorcist outdo, Exorcist 2 outdo The Exorcist, you know? Is it like The Last Jedi of <laughs> The Force Awakens in the... I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I'm I'm not going to say that. No, no, no. But I think we, we, we've made it clear that The Exorcist is a must-watch film. It's one of yes. those essential watches. And, like, again, religious horror is such a sweet spot for me. I love 
pretending to be engrossed in like religious horror because it's like i'm not a practicing catholic but i'll pretend to be like oh my gosh i remember this stuff it traumatized me and like i still believe it it's like i really don't but um a part of me still like the catholic guilt looms over me and like goes hey chris remember middle school sixth or eighth grade you were in catholic school you wanted to be a priest at one point (laughs) it's like you like now you go ahead did you guys have a picture of jesus on the wall that the eyes followed you I kind of thought it did. And then we'd have to pray before we went to recess and then pray before we went to lunch and had our weekly confession. (laughs) And if he didn't take the Eucharist during uh, the weekly Wednesday mass in school, uh, people would be like, why did you take it? What did, what was your sin? What was your sin? I remember committing, like, I remember at one point in my like seven or I think seven or eighth grade, my emo also like contemplating faith Mm -hmm. and like existential crisis time, which is always been the case for me um i was like reading what the difference between mortal sin and venal sin and normal sin were and i'm like well god damn every fucking sin i have is a mortal (laughs) sin it's like i could never take the eucharist like i'm gonna be going to fucking hell no matter what i do you just gotta camp out in the confessional booth pretty much i was like i'm literally just a horny teenager and i'm being punished for all of damnation because of it i'm sorry i find this girl attractive and i'm i'm committing all this and i can't help myself oh uh, also like disobeying your mother and father constantly again Ooh, with the movie yeah. watching when i'm supposed to be in bed it's like wow film is literally the reason i'm going to be damned to hell and now i decided to do a podcast on it this is therapy well i, I mean i was a juvenile delinquent so <laughs> I really like I went to some dark places and yep. that's still why paranormal activity for the marked ones yeah. is still just a little bit of my it's one of my you know guilty pleasure movies <laughs> <laughs> okay we talked about we talked about the exorcist and now let's go into the exorcist too let's I will it. say this I'm gonna just start off the conversation this way please it's a disappointing exorcist film but it is an awesome Italian horror film. Um, but yeah, that's that's my take to start off this 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 the conversation on it. I mean, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. This this film is so. I mean, it's kind of sci-fi, right? Yes, I don't it's hate kinda, this movie. It's kind of sci-fi. Hate this movie. Mm-hmm. It's. It's more metaphysical than religious, although we do have a priest (laughs) and there is some of the Catholic stuff in here. It it goes beyond Catholicism. There's other Mm -hmm. religions represented and it's kind of more metaphysical. This film is. (laughs) It's like the whole science versus religion in this case is more like this kind of pseudo fringe science kind of mm-hmm. stuff. The science in this film doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Let's just put that out there. Yeah. No, I agree. This, this, it's interesting though. <laughs> it, no, it's very interesting. And the scenes of the synchronized hypnotism are some of my favorite scenes in this film. It's so good. Like it's it's genuinely impressive that stuff is in there. The whole clenching of the heart stuff. I'm like, why did most it's movies cool, do that technique? Why did people movie use that technique? Is a good time. Thank God, it, though, it's under two hours. Unlike the yeah. first Exorcist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you know it's a short watch. I think it's an interesting film. It's bonkers. 
there's some wild shit that happens in this movie. You have some great performances. There's like a lot of different energies happening here. It's like mm-hmm. you've got Richard Burton mm-hmm. playing Father Lamont, and he's grim <sighs> and brooding and miserable because because he, he, Richard Burton does that so well, and he's so he's talented. Also- He's basically Damien Karras if he got older. Similar. If he didn't similar. die in the first movie. Yeah, like same Very gravy. Similar. You know what I mean? Similar vibe. Yeah. Um, you know, we get Louise Fletcher playing Dr. Tuscan. And she's Great. like, you know, modern, modern woman of the 70s. A professional, a divorced mother of two children, working mm-hmm. hard, intelligent. And she's... She's just trying to do her thing and help these the children in this clinic that she runs. And then this falls in her lap, all this crazy cosmic evil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, just, I, I, you know, we get Reagan. We finally get to see <sighs> Linda Blair. Yes. Be normal for most of the movie. Yeah. Like it's kind of, she's just an average kid for a lot of this film. And then you start to see, the ways in which Pazuzu, <laughs> the demon Pazuzu, is is still taking up residence, but she does get to act. She she's really cute. She's just adorable. She's in that like young adult, still mm-hmm. has like the baby face, so still pretty young, but she is kind of coming into adulthood. She's just so bubbly and sweet and she gets to act. And that just makes me really happy. Oh yeah, totally. Linda, this is before Savage Streets, I'm pretty sure too. Oh yeah. And and uh yeah, Linda Blair's great at this. I think the first movie is great because you feel bad for her and it's like the scenes with her are like, oh, she's a sweet little girl, but it's you know, you know, she's halfway possessed through most of the movie. But in this one, you do get to explore the Reagan character more, and I do like that. Um, this movie, oh man, like, where do I even start with it? Um, you talk about the religion, I I guess I answer the things you said and then kind of lead it off after that, but you, yeah, it's totally a movie that approaches the science versus religion thing that Exorcist was like, where it's like spontaneous, unexplainable things are happening. So religion has to be the explanation. And in this movie, I feel like it takes a very mature science approach to it, but it still lingers on the religious aspects of it. Um, I think this movie is totally much more, more interested in exploring the subconscious and trauma and trying yeah. to get the, the, get the audience involved with it. And John Borman, um, who did the only movie I've ever seen him do besides this now was, uh, the deliverance and oh, deliverance was a, friend Uh oh i I have a whole watch list for you (laughs) for john borman Uh uh-huh so how do you feel about sci-fi fantasy it's uh it's something i'm starting to try to warm up to okay you need to see zardos zardos have you ever seen a a picture of sean connery from the 70s and he's dressed in this crazy red strappy leotard outfit no but i know did it and he's got long hair and a mustache and he's holding 
a gun. Oh no! But this sounds it's, awesome. It's it's Zardos. That Zardos? that image. If people have seen that floating around on the internet, because it's wild. That's <laughs> it's Zardos. You need to see Zardos. Excalibur. John Borman takes on the Arthur King Arthur legend. I know of Excalibur. I still haven't seen it. I did watch it. Sean Connery's um, first night though instead. Ah no! You need I to watched see that one. Yeah. <laughs> Disco Camelot in Excalibur. It's great. Um, I finally saw Point Blank for the first time. Oh. Recently. And mm-hmm. and that film is... No, Borman is really cool. When you look at his filmography, it's definitely all over the place. It is, yeah. But the one thing... Uh, the only thing... Again, I can only contribute to the two films I've watched. It seems like he's very interested in the human condition. Absolutely. That's a that's a part of film... Where you feel exhausted after you watch those movies, but like they don't go away. Like I don't think I'm ever gonna buy the Deliverance Blu-ray, and I don't feel like I'm ever gonna rewatch Deliverance. But I remember watching Deliverance and thinking, "Okay, lesson learned." Yeah, I could <laughs> see not a myself movie in that. Forget. Yeah, it's like I'm not gonna ever do that. Thank you, John <laughs> Borman, for reminding me that. Also, kudos for getting a good John Voight performance and Burt Reynolds doing his thing. You know, um. And in this movie, same thing. He has an I, a, almost a borderline, if not for sure, A-list cast in this movie. James Earl yes. Jones, Louise Fletcher, fresh. Like before even – or no. Yeah, this was before one – no, this was after One Flew after. Over the Cuckoo's Nest in 75 with Louise Fletcher. Again, it's so hard to see her in movies without thinking of Nurse Ratchet, which goes on to say why that performance is legendary. But she still yeah. does a really good time in this movie. She does a great I performance. I believe they had originally – so. So you notice that the mother, Reagan's mm-hmm. mother, is absent from this film. Mm-hmm. The actor did not mm-hmm. want to come back and uh-huh. do the sequel. And they had thought about recasting for the mother with Louise Fletcher. But then they decided instead yeah. to just have the mom not be there, have her be the Dr. Jean Tuscan character who was originally going to be played by a man. And they ended up going with Louise Fletcher. And I think she's great as that, like, very professional person mm-hmm. and someone who's uh, authoritative. She's really good at that. Mm-hmm. Like, authoritative characters. I think she fills in great as the quote-unquote surrogate mother. Um, mm-hmm. Her character's very – her character didn't need to be as developed as it was, but they did anyway. Because, yeah. I mean, Louise Fletcher can obviously make that character whatever she wanted it to be, and she did awesome with it. And it carries on that idea that it's like a, a, a almost like a oddly symbiotic family kind of story. In the first totally. movie, Reagan and her mother. But then it's not just them two. It's the caretaker. It's, um, you know, the, the, the Catholic Church and its other scientists that feel like they're all a part of this whole family. Um because the absence of like a father figure, but then they replace that with the obvious like priest who we call father, right? Um, this movie is very interesting. I, I think this movie also starts off with a bang at the beginning. I mean, oh, I love it. I love the opening. This scene. movie, like, it doesn't waste any fucking time. It just goes into it, which I think is awesome. Which, to, again, I think is very important for people to talk about. Like, when you think about this movie and it's called the worst movie ever made, I really do think it's due to audience reactions in 77 to it 
versus maybe more modern times. But you got to remember, there's like three different versions of this movie, and it was riddled with production problems. Rewrites, like John Borman. all kinds of issues. Yeah, like this movie, like if I remember reading it correctly, John Borman put the movie out first, and then Warner Brothers was like, no, because audiences hated it. They forced him while it was out to rewrite the ending and then decided to pull it out and then you know, go back to production on it. Plus, Linda Blair was ill. Louise Fletcher was ill. John Borman got sick, like, for a long... Like, it was a serious illness problems that were going on on set during this movie with its retakes. So it's like, you know, this movie's riddled with, like, put it back to production for a while and, like, don't rush it, but Warner Brothers still decided to cash in on this. And, uh... Well, and this was meant to be a cash cow. Like, the Mm -hmm. things that I've read, it's like... You know, there was some cynical motivation. <laughs> the Exorcist was so wildly successful. Mm-hmm. They were hoping to make some money. And it's arguably like the first horror movie to be nominated for Best Picture as well in 73. I can't think yeah. of a movie before that that was nominated for Best Picture. Not that comes to mind, but I'm not I'm not a I'm not a scholar of the Oscars. I mean, I might, I might say Midnight Cowboy in '69, but that's because poverty <laughs> scares me, right? I might, say, yeah, and it should, yeah, right. Um, it but, <laughs> but I can't. Not until Alien in '79 was there maybe another horror movie where it was nominated for Best Picture. Also, you know, Alien again. I feel like, yeah, you know, with all the trouble that they had behind the scenes, and okay, okay, yeah. The film has some flaws. There's 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 a little messiness, especially in the to the last act around the writing. Mm-hmm. But given all the issues that it had, given the hard act to follow, you know, coming on the heels of one of the most successful horror films of all time, mm-hmm. like this film has no business being as fun <laughs> to watch as it is. And the performances <sighs> that are given in this film have no business being this good, but they are. Richard Burton is awesome in this movie. I love him as, as father Lamont. He's charmingly over the top in this movie. He's constantly oh, yeah. sweaty in this movie. He's yeah. He feels like he should be on stage somewhere during this movie. <laughs> But I love that. I like Or in rehab. I mean, Richard Burton, famous alcoholic. Oh, oh really? Oh, see, yeah. that's what the priesthood does to you. Yeah, those sweats. That's that's booze sweats. No way. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, wow, that's interesting. See, this think, is why we have you on here. You know, he's great. I mean, he's just great. And that to go back to that opening scene. So this film opens with. And it, it's really cool when you think of it in contrast to the original mm-hmm. Exorcist mm-hmm. and Reagan's exorcism. Yep. The opening of this, Father Lamont is in, I don't think they ever say what country exactly, but it, everyone's speaking Spanish. It looks like it might be mm-hmm. Central or South America. Yep. And, and this is a whole community is Mm -hmm. there for the exorcism unlike with reagan's exorcism which was two priests and a girl and a demon in a room Mm -hmm. and very like low-key family yeah the family is skeptical 
but they'll try anything. They'll try an exorcism because they've tried everything else, but they don't 100% believe until they see the showdown. In this, you have a community where everyone believes. Mm -hmm. And it almost seems like Father Lamont is the one that's kind of hesitating. Yeah. All of the people around this woman who's been possessed, they all believe. And they're all 100% in to participate in driving out this demon. And it's the priest here who's like, he seems weary and like he's not sure mm -hmm. what to do. It's really cool. There's all kinds of candles. Yep. It's like the You hear lighting. the Spanish speaking yes. as well. Uh-huh. I love it. I love it. It's basically like, and then like when you see her on fire, which St. Maud deliberately steals from, <laughs> um... You see this woman get lit on fire in front of him. And I'm like, holy shit, that looks awesome. And I will not stress this enough. This movie's camera work. This movie's location scenes. This, the way they hacked, handle the effects in this movie, it's honestly awesome to see that a movie like this, which has this reputation, has some of the most... Like mind-bending but also like eye drawing like scenes of like yeah. special effects and like location like the exorcist is like a very like it's a very beautiful looking movie same way when you watch halloween for the first time you see haddonfield you think it's so beautiful it's pretty it's a good look you know john carpenter does a good job like directing it it looks like really good exorcist one same thing but it's very limited in its locations it's kind of almost reused scenes like locations but like in this one this movie's bouncing all over the place it's like in africa in ethiopia it's in georgetown it's in the vatican quote-unquote well you know it's what's wild over. is that this film they wanted to make on a smaller budget mm -hmm. i forget i want to say it was like four million or something mm-hmm uh, I'm, I mean, I'm just talking on my ass. I don't really know. But it was a smaller budget. That was part of the deal was that they, they wanted to have a smaller budget. They didn't want to go whole hog with a big budget on this, which is kind of crazy. Because if you're going to follow up one of the most successful horror films of all time, you'd think you would, you would throw some budget on it. But whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But they are able to, with the locations where they were able to go on location, and then with the sets that they built... And it's just, it looks really good considering that they didn't want to put a lot of money into this. <laughs> Which, it feels like John Borman set up to fail almost then. Yeah, it's weird, right? Like, mm -hmm. why, I, I mean, it's profit. See, now we're back to talking about the evils of capitalism. Uh-huh. I mean, this movie's somewhat kind of embedded in that. Uh, <laughs> it really is. I mean, also, for people who might are listening and like, what's this movie about? We're talking about things in this movie that are awesome and maybe like things that are so different, radically different. This movie's literally, it follows Linda Blair's character of Reagan after the events that happen. She doesn't remember anything, which the first movie left off on. And then now we're seeing her in therapy, trying to figure out what happened. And then Father Lamont is the new priest who's assigned by the Cardinal, I believe, um, to investigate Father Marin's death in the first movie. Odd yes. Oddly enough, not Father Karras, but uh, Father Marin, um, which makes sense because he, I mean, his character is pretty mystical in the first movie. 
Right. We ex- we explore the back. Uh, this movie's basically answering background information from the first, and I think that's where this movie is so contrastly different. Which is the same thing. I know that I'm realizing it. It's it's such a contrast to the first movie because, um, it's the horrors and the spontaneous parts of it. Um, we don't know all about these characters. The only characters we really know about are are Karis. And in and then this movie sees to rectify it by explaining who Father Marin is, why this exorcist happened, why it's scary that it happened, and also build on this idea of what exorcisms are in the modern world, because when this movie's made, it's the modern times. And I think it does a really good job of doing that. I think it's also a movie that people just weren't expecting. When you're thinking 1977, you know, this is before the slasher sequel galore. This is before all that stuff. This, I mean, this is post, if anything, post Universal Monster time where you're getting all those sequels to the Universal Monsters up to the 50s. Um, yeah, I'm sure this, fan, this, this movie took people by surprise because they're expecting more heads turning 360s, like you said, the puking of the pea soup and stuff, and you don't get this. This is very much more a grounded take on it. Um, totally. Well, and it's, and, you know, again, there's the sci-fi of it all. Exactly. It, you talk this about metaphysical. Leans, it leans science fiction in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these people going into these altered states of consciousness. So we should mm-hmm. probably, because I, I do hear people complain that they don't, that this movie is like that the plot is convoluted um and, and maybe that. because i've seen it so many times because mm-hmm. i i've seen this many many times this is the part where it's like are you an intelligent film watcher or are you not <laughs> i mean i'm i'm hey i'm tur- said, I'm, I'm stirring the cauldron you stirring right the cauldron <laughs> i've seen it a bunch of times so so I'm I'm kind of I'm already kind of primed, you know. Okay, what I'm saying? but Carmelita, do you own the Scream Factory Blu-ray of this film? I do not. No, I do not. It's on the Shocktober sale. I'm just I know, saying. I know, man. I, mean, I live in I live in California, friend. I don't state tax. I I feel you. Well, no, it's the City shelf tax. space. It's the oh. shelf space because the cost of living here, the rent, I get is it. so high. Mm-hmm. You know, I I need more walls. Hey, I'm trying. I try. I'm trying with my. I'm trying with my OnlyFans <laughs> and like my feet fans pages right now. I'll send you some funds. Um, just just so you can get it. I get it. But <laughs> if you do end up buying it on Blu-ray, especially if you get it with the slipcover, you gotta post it on Twitter, and it's it's and you have to just caption it with for clout purposes only. That's got. That's what it's gotta be. <laughs> the day the day that that happens, you will be the first yeah. to know. I promise you. You know, I I feel like so. Okay, so let's let's break this down. So Mm -hmm. yes, and you kind of set us up. Reagan does not remember, but there's concerns because she continues to have nightmares. Mm -hmm. Her mother, although not present because she's off working, her mother and then Sharon, the family friend slash live-in babysitter. Sharon has always been a weird character. Um, caretaker yeah i guess caretaker but that's probably the closest thing <laughs> they're concerned about reagan and these nightmares and that she has never regained her i don't know but whatever mm-hmm. so poor reagan is going to this institute where tuscan is doing this cutting edge experimental science and they want to go into her mind and 
and like recover and like help her process the trauma in her memories with these synchronized hypno hypnotic sessions. And they have the cool machine and like the little strobing lights mm -hmm. and, and it syncs up their minds. And through this process, once Father Lamont gets there, they realize that Pazuzu is still in her, like is in her mind. She, Pazuzu still has access. Mm -hmm. This is the part where I think it loses people or it yeah. can make people go, oh, I like that. And for me, right. I think it's a part of me. I was watching it with my partner, Charlie, and she was like, eh, you know, we were, we took an intermission, but. Uh-huh. I kind of liked it. I started to piece too, it together. Yeah. Pazuzu. We find out the demon from the first movie isn't the devil that it claimed to be, which goes into the mythos of Catholicism, that demons yes. lie. Yes. And, and names these... are important. In, in traditional mm -hmm. religions and in historic religions, mm -hmm. names have power. So like having the name mm -hmm. of a demon is very important. Mm -hmm. And we find out more about Pazuzu in this one and Pazuzu's right. full title. Which I get in the first movie why it's scary when this little girl starts saying, I'm the devil and saying all these things. You think, holy shit, that's fucking scary. I get it. But then you got to John Borman goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Take a step back and think about this isolated incident where this is happening. Again, even Catholics around the Catholic priests around here are like, oh, well, it's kind of archaic now, whatever. Uh, mental illness is a big thing now. Science has moved on, whatever. Do you really think that the devil, Lucifer, if you take the mythos of it all, what's the devil got to gain in an isolated ex like possession in Georgetown, Connecticut, right. which I think is where Georgetown is. Um, it, or maybe it's in Pennsylvania. No, Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. You see, there you go. I did. I went to a small private co college in Missouri. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> You see, then you start to piece that together. You're like, yeah. You know, if you were the prince of evil, you know, or not the prince of evil, if you're the, you know, the lord of evil, underworld, and all that prince stuff. Prince of hell. Prince, yeah, it's like, what are you doing? What do you want with you the 12-year-old girl? Exactly. Yeah. And now you start, then you find out in this movie, it's a demon called Pazuzu. And then you're like, oh, that makes sense. And now it's embedded in this girl's, because in the end of the first movie, you're led to believe Father Karras took that possession and died at the end. Which at this movie it kind of gives the whole if you survive the first movie then you and you die the second movie it's kind of like that now I'm starting to think oh Father Cares kind of just died and it didn't really fix everything I kind of get that kind of mood but at the same time whatever um, you find out more about Pazuzu being subconsciously embedded still in Reagan in '77 you're telling me that with a horror sequel I'm like whoa this movie's already out of budget this movie's taking itself way too serious already. <laughs> Um, and that's what's kind of admirable about this movie. I feel like John Borman was expected to make a certain movie, and he just gave the middle finger to producers and executives and said, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to make an intelligent sort of type of movie. And I'm not saying The Exorcist 2 is the most brilliant script ever written because it's not, and it's got a lot of problems. But at the same time, the intent is so He was so trying to do a thing. Borman was trying to do a thing. Mm-hmm. And it's an and interesting thing. Is the execution of the caliber of some of his other work or of the original Exorcist film? No. There's a lot of reasons for that. 
but the mm-hmm. intent, you're right. The intent is there. There's a lot of ideas he wants to play with here. A lot of things he wants to explore. And it's interesting. Yeah, it's like if the first movie was made by someone who's like, like you said, your 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 friend's father sat you down and explained the movie to you. That's the first Exorcist. Exorcist 2, you're an adult now, and you're applying adult critical thinking and what you know from the natural world and applying it to this new film. This movie, again, we talk about the opening. It's awesome, but then what comes up right after that? Linda Blair interacting with another human, a boy that she's flirting with, and then she goes to therapy. And the craziest therapy floor <laughs> I can ever think possible. It's iconic at this point for me. Super I, 70s. I can't help but, honestly, Super 70s modernism. Pretty much. It's like they might as well have a bath, like a bathtub there on a carpet in a carpeted <laughs> bathroom is what I was ready to see. It's what Jordan Peele's Us stole in the ma- the House of Magic Mirrors. It gives me that type of vibe too. Um, this movie, like I said at the very beginning, this movie is like an Italian movie. I think Fulci's Beyond, maybe parts of uh, of uh, Suspiria and Tenebrae, um, you know – what is that one movie? Oh, why am I blank? I have to look it up because I have to mention it. Um, Go for it. Hold on. Stalker, Hooker, Jallo. That's all I have to Google right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, oh, Strip Nude for Your Killer. Ah. It gives me that kind of type of vibe where it's like some parts make sense, some parts don't, but the otherworldly parts of it and aspects that are randomly rejected in Italian horror or like Jallo. It kind of fucking works and it's kind of fucking charming at the same time. Think possessed. It looks cool. Yeah, think like the possess is it uh possessed or possession with Sam Neil? Why am I blanking on it all of a sudden? Uh, possession, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um it, you know, some parts of it like yes, you see this woman having sex with this squid alien other world being and you're like what the fuck is going on? But like it's also cool at the same fucking time. <laughs> Exorcist 2 has random scenes of that where it's like, I don't yes. know what the fuck is going on. Just but roll like, with it. Exactly. And there's some imagery that's so awesome. We talk about Reagan and her heart being fought with Pazuzu and Father Lamont seeing that. That's like amazing, yes! amazing so camera work. You have like this superimposed image of possessed Reagan. Mm-hmm. sitting cross-legged like she did on the bed and you can see the superimposed image of Marin because it's like a memory he's seeing what's mm-hmm. in her mind mm-hmm. and then when father Marin starts having the heart attack and yeah you see pazuzu squeezing the heart like mm-hmm. it looks fucking cool i'm sorry it's awesome it's i don't know why most 70s and 80s films <laughs> that use that technique <laughs> i love it and then you make the pazuzu um pazuzu possessed reagan face connect it's a different actor actor i'm pretty sure but the face lines up with linda blair's reagan perfectly almost and it's like wow that's so fucking cool to show the contract yeah to show the connection there and the fact that john borman's like we're gonna go we're gonna tackle the subconscious it basically explains what the movie's going to be in the very beginning. This movie's taking place all in the subconscious. Like, some parts are happening in reality, and then most of the time, it feels like it's Reagan exploring her subconscious, and when she gets connected to that connector um, therapeutics um, machine, she invites Father Lamont in there, too. And that explains most of the reasons why 
when they're doing things with Pazuzu and in, in seeing where Father Marin was and then walking um, back to the Georgetown apartment and nobody seems to be bothered by their interactions. To me, John Borman said in the beginning, like, this movie is taking place mostly in the subconscious. We're trying to figure out the trauma of this event for this person and trying to explain it in a rational type of way that's also explaining the unexplainable. Right. You know what I mean? And I think one of the things about this film that in execution, mm, yeah, questionable the mm -hmm. way that communities in Africa are depicted. Let's just put that on Front Street. Right. It looks a little, it looks a lot, you know, like stereotypes gone mm -hmm. wild. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I like the global scale of this film. Mm -hmm. Humanity is in danger. And, and that danger isn't just in Georgetown. It's, it's global. And, and that, that collective unconscious the collection of subconscious that you're talking about, like Reagan connected to Father Lamont, connected to Kakumo, mm -hmm. the boy who had been possessed, who grows up to be James Earl Jones with that amazing <laughs> voice. I love James yeah. Earl Jones. I don't care what you give James Earl Jones to do. I want to watch him do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I like the kind of the global scale of this. And I, I like how we, we move to the different locations through locust vision. <laughs> the 50s had x-ray vision in 3D effects. And now we have locust vision in the We have 70s. locust vision. You, you can fly on the wings of Pazuzu, lo <laughs> evil lord of the skies or the air on the wings of a locust. It, I mean, it looks cool. I guess you have to subscribe to Satanism because God, I love the locust <laughs> of this movie than the fucking Jurassic World Dominion, whatever from whatever we got with Colin Turoto or whatever with, with those locusts. Oh my God. Like they might as well just stole stuff from Exorcist 2 in that movie because it's like the locust <laughs> stuff is pretty fucking terrifying. Yeah, locusts freak me out, man. Swarming bugs. I don't like that. Yeah, it's and, it makes, and again, it goes back to the fact that the subconscious argument that you can make the locusts show up constantly in 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 where Reagan's apartment is and, you know, and in Georgetown, of course, if those things were really there, people are like, why are there fucking locusts right now? Gross. But it's like it's in their mind. It's them literally being like, you know, in this subconscious feeling that. Pazuzu is physically coming to them in their mind and swarming them and overwhelming them. It explains why the house is cracked at the end of the movie. Um, it's a movie where these things happen and it's like, you don't really think about it when you're watching it, but after you watch the movie, you start to think about it. You're like, Oh, that, that kind of makes sense. I could see the ideas being plucked in there. It's not as black and white. Like the first movie, it's like yeah. the scares of the first movie is the unknown in this movie. It's scary realizing how these real world things like trauma and like subconscious thinking can really like affect you without really thinking about it until you actually stop and see it. Um, and it's kind of interesting how that does it. And the fact that we get a background story about a demon who possessed the character of the first movie, it's strange, but it, it's kind of kind of neat at the same time. Oh, for sure. Well, and then too, one of the one of the most interesting things I think in this one. Mm -hmm. is 
Father Lamont's relationship to Pazuzu. Yeah. Like he uses Pazuzu to help him find Kakumo. And he wants to find Kakumo because he wants to find out how Kakumo survived, how Kakumo was able to rid himself of Pazuzu. Mm-hmm. But he uses Pazuzu to locate him. Like he calls on Pazuzu. Mm-hmm. And in his mind, in his subconscious, you know, flies with the locust. And it's really cool. Like when, when Father Lamont goes to the, the rock church in Ethiopia, mm-hmm. that the church that's high on that yep. mountain. Mm-hmm. And when he, when they, they go down and like, he tells them where this person that had died is in the rocks that they had never found because Pazuzu showed him right. where this person fell. And when he explains to them that, yeah, I, I was on the wings of a demon and he showed <laughs> me <laughs> and the priests are like, fuck off. And like, leave. Yeah. They're like, we're not messing with this, with, with, with this devil worship. Okay. <laughs> we don't want any part of this. And for father Lamont, it's like, he's got that curiosity that that intellectual curiosity and also i think he's seeing the global threat Mm -hmm. and so he's willing he's willing to to call the demon if that's what it's gonna take to save yeah it's just it's 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 crazy but it's it's kind of it's kind of like big brains thinking in a way too because then it explains to the first movie that reagan wasn't this random occurrence it was like a planned out thing because reagan isn't a normal little girl she's one of these special people who right is like targeted because of her goodness Mm -hmm. so it's you know kind of like it's kind of like when i watched (laughs) for people listening they're gonna be like what the fuck but so I recently watched Dr. Sleep finally for the first time a couple mm. weeks ago. The Not the director's cut, the theatrical cut. <laughs> and I'm not the biggest Shining fan. The Shining is a three, three and a half star movie for me. It's good. You know, it's got great, you know, filmmaking techniques and stuff. And I love um, Jack Torrance, but um, he's literally me. Anyway, <laughs> I'm thinking <laughs> when I watched Dr. Sleep, I couldn't help but think, wow. Dr. Sleep is like a sequel that's good, but in my whole time I'm thinking it just kind of makes The Shining better because it explains The Shining mm. a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And The Exorcist 2 kind of does that too. It explains more about The Exorcist where it's like The Exorcist 2 is good, but it, it I, mean, I mean, it's enjoyable, but it's not like, it's not as good as The Exorcist. Just like I think Dr. Sleep isn't as good as the shining but both movies could kind of stand on their own but also elevate the predecessor right expand help to Mm -hmm. expand the understanding of the original film Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's interesting i never thought i'd expect that when i first was watching it i think the the title the heretic is very interesting because i think technically the heretic is james earl jones character is it not or is it or or is it jack or is it father lamont father lamont yeah I don't know. Yeah, because they they do things that are against the religion to help or their religion to help other people, which kind of shows that without evil, there there has to be good or without good, there has to be evil, which kind of talks, you know, that that can go into a whole philosophical argument. I love that stuff. That theology of it all, you know, like man can make 
man can do free will, but like because of free will, there has to be evil, and evil is always present, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. And you know, I think John Borman kind of makes like a almost like a crisis of faith, even though I don't expect it to be embedded in faith type of approach to this movie. Mm. Hmm. Well, I I think too. You know, in, in the first film, it, there's a very stark contrast. Science failed this little girl. Mm-hmm. Faith is what is going to save her, right? In <laughs> right. this film, the lines are very blurred. There's, it's like there's a more holistic thing going on. It's like you need the faith of Father Marin and Father Lamont and all of their religious teachings. But he doesn't find out what he needs to know without the science of the sink machine. Yeah. The evil is drawn to the good and resides in it. The, our hero who's seeking the ultimate good has to call on the evil presence to give him knowledge. He wouldn't have otherwise to try to strike this balance. Like it's all very like fluid. Like there's this exchange of science and faith exchanging ideas mm-hmm. and practices and the good and evil are in this weird balancing act. It's not as cut and dry. There's a lot more gray area in this mm-hmm. story. And both movies you could say, one thing that's not weak is the score because in the first movie you get that din and din and din and din you know like the bells ringing creepiness of it and then in this movie you get ch- horrifying chants throughout yeah. most of this movie. Ennio Morricone did the score for this, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who of of course the thing fame amongst very many many, many iconic many, many films. Mm-hmm. And I and that one part of me, it's like it uh, parts it gets a little annoying, but most of the time it's like, wow, that's pretty freaky. <laughs> yeah, these real like guttural um chants. Yeah, it's it's cool. This the sound mm-hmm. design in this is is cool. Mm-hmm. So what part of this movie do you like constantly what what part of it makes you constantly come back to this movie? I'm curious. Oh man, I think <laughs> I mean, that first scene is still one of my favorites that really draws me in, but I, Mm -hmm. I, and I love science fiction. So I really love those, the, the hypnotism scenes. They're really good. I think it's really cool. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, you know, I saw this, you know, as a teenager and my whole family. Now, let me tell you a little story. So -hmm. back before the internet, you could see a movie and like it and not realize that nobody else liked it. Hmm. There was a time where you could see a movie and you're like, this is a great movie. And you would just not know that the rest of the world despises the movie. It wasn't until Mm -hmm. the internet that then you realize like, oh shit, people don't like this. And that's what happened with me with, with Exorcist II, The Heretic. Like my family would sit down to watch this one. My, my siblings love this movie and you know, we enjoyed the shit out of this film and we didn't realize it was hated. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until years later that I found out that everyone hates this movie. I didn't know right. that. that, <laughs> I, that didn't, <laughs> I didn't know. 
That was kind of like my revelation when I watched uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, and I love that movie. It's one of my all-time favorites. It's my favorite Nightmare movie. And then it's like, oh, this movie's homoerotic? I never realized it to you know to the outside <laughs> world. That's what it was. And it's like, I kind of like it more then. That's cool, you know, for its time. Right. Um, I love the, I love the sci-fi happens. of this. Like, I, I just think it's really cool. And oh, oh, what I was getting to was that my family, we love the part where James Earl Jones is Kukumo grown up. Mm-hmm. But in that in that subconscious thing, he's oh. dressed oh. like a tribal elder or like uh-huh. a, a, a healer. Mm-hmm. So he's, you know, he's wearing like this this locust headdress and it's he's got all crazy. of this like you know tribal looking garb which is you know mm-hmm. very stereotypical in a lot of ways mm-hmm. uh, but that's what lamont sees that's not what kakumo actually looks like kakumo's a right. doctor but we love mm-hmm. that scene where he comes to kakumo and asks, asks him like to help and kakumo's like we gotta test your faith and he steps on the bed and nails mm. and falls it's love awesome that scene it's kind of awesome. <laughs> Can't help myself. It's fucking yeah. cool. It makes you think, like, how much do you care about this person? Would you be willing to step on this stuff right now? Like James James Earl Jones with that voice telling him, like, now we got to test your faith. <laughs> and there's there's a lot of great quotes in this film mm-hmm. that I just it love. Does. Like, and Father Lamont has some of the best ones. He says, Satan has become an embarrassment. Mm-hmm. talking about the church like something about that i just love he says the world doesn't want any more saints right it kind of like explains like the religion's shit. kind of losing itself you yeah. know and it, yeah. it's not connecting with uh, this as time in modern times progress on you know it's not needed as much and then you got paul hindred as well as the cardinal from casablanca mm-hmm. fame um i love that like you see the politics of religion a little bit in this movie a lot more than in the first um, again, I like seeing the I like seeing the Father Marin stuff. It's kind of like because you know Max is not that old in The Exorcist. No, they aged him up. They they exactly they made him up to look older. Mm-hmm. And then you see him in this movie, and he's he's much more of his current age, which is nice to see. And you get a lot more background info. It's it's kind of nice to see. It's more lore into The Exorcist until The Exorcist yeah. Three comes out. I feel like The Exorcist 3 kind of saw what Exorcist 2 did and said, we're just going to be completely different, but keep the name. Okay, I'm going to say something to you mm-hmm. and dear Inside the Sequel listeners. And, you know, people are going to hate it, but we're stirring the cauldron tonight. Yeah. And so, fuck it. <laughs> uh, I don't really like The Exorcist 3 very much. Like, it's all right. It is all right. It's, it's but, not- And I think... I think for me, what it is, is that it's not really an exorcist movie either. Nope. But it has like none of the, the continue, you know, returning characters. So it's like a completely different story that to me feels like this is just me feels like the exorcist part of it. Father Karis, like that shit's just shoehorned in there. Mm-hmm. To call it an exorcist, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, a story within this, this universe, but. It it doesn't really feel like a con- you know it just doesn't feel like The Exorcist at all. Yeah, and the fact that there's two different versions of the movie, and they're actually like you know if you get the Blu-ray, you get two different versions of it. Whereas the first movie, Exorcist, it's just like the ending's a little different, and you get the spider walking scene, you know, that were deleted mm-hmm. scenes. That's about it. 
I saw that in the theater when they released that theatrically. Uh huh. Two thousand. Oh yeah, with the, with the, the spider walk crawl down the stairs. Oh my god. Yeah. Mind blown. It's it's an awesome scene. I wish they just added it at a later time instead of when you know when the director died and then they throw it right after. It's like eh, mm. bad timing, but awesome scene. <laughs> um, but I love the ending of the theatrical. Even though I like Lee Cobb talking to the priest about going to see a movie and it feels like Casablanca at the end a little bit. You know, it's charming, but I like the theatrical ending more where he just looks at the stairs and says, fuck that, and then the music chimes. Like, that's pretty good. Um, Exorcist 3, the two different, ver- they're vastly different. Like, one is very much more embedded in the religion, and then the other part is just kind of like a murder mystery movie. That's the one I saw. Yeah, that one's not The murder good. mystery one. Yeah, it's it's not good. Um, The theatrical is I, I know is that better. there's there's some people who, who love The Exorcist 3, and hey it's all good like different strokes mm-hmm. for different folks <laughs> i mean I can't, it's a... I can't talk i can't talk shit to people who like exorcist 3 because <laughs> i like exorcist 2 <laughs> and this movie is hated so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. it's overwhelmingly hated it's kind of sad because <laughs> it's like it's not the worst movie it's like yeah you, it's a sloppy movie you know me it's... i'll come to bat like mm-hmm. alien 3 for life Oh my god, that. yeah. If you saw Alien if if Alien 3 had the rotten tomato score that the heretic had, I would I would constantly be angry. Like I would not would be a happy it. individual because like the Alien 3 is just you know. both versions are great. Yeah. And um, pe- and people are slowly coming around on Alien 3, I feel like. And I think we Al- contributed to that. I think so. When Alien 3 gets a criterion release, like I'm pretty sure we need to be on the commentary for that movie. I mean, I would get it. I would get it full price. I wouldn't even wait for the half, the half, the half off sale. You see, that's bold. Yeah, the cheap bastard I am. I I don't know. You could, (laughs) you could put out a fucking movie on Blu-ray, and it could be from a boutique label, and you have me on the commentary or any sort of featurette. I still wouldn't buy that shit until it is on sale. (laughs) Until it's on sale. Right. Hey. Hey. Nothing wrong with being frugal, my friends. Honestly, times are tough. Yeah, it's tough trying to convince people that sequels are relevant still. Uh, <laughs> but here's the thing. Yeah, see, uh, again, uh, Exorcist three. Like I know some people really enjoy that movie. It's a good Brad Dorf, um, you know, performance. But it feels He's like awesome. it's an ex- it feels like an extended scene, like an extended act from that one X Files episode he's in. I think it's Beyond the Sea. <laughs> Beyond the in. Sea. Yeah, yeah. It's season it one. It feels like an extension of that, but. Um, yeah, Exorcist is a weird franchise when you kind of think about it because then you it also is. get movies like The Exorcist of Emily Rose and then like other movies like that. And then you get the god awful later 2010s Exorcist movies, in my opinion. Have you seen those? I, I have, yeah. I saw them for the first time last year. I think it was last year. The Film Alchemist podcast oh, does yeah. 31 mm-hmm. episodes mm-hmm. in October, and mm-hmm. then they did. They did The Exorcist. I think it was last year. And so, I mean, I had to watch them, right? Okay, so what did you think of them before I said they were (laughs) god-awful? Oh, I mean, it was something else. I kind of remember one being more palatable than the other. I would say the first one, because the second one ends with with like hell coming out of the streets. Yeah. And that's the second one. My memory's a little fuzzy just now, but Well, full it, disclosure. It was interesting. It was interesting. 
Full disclosure, I pretended to like Exorcist 2, the re- like those remake ones. I pretended to like the second one for a date that I was with because I just wanted her to like like me and see what would happen. But uh, I absolutely in- did not enjoy that movie. It's the folly of youth, my friends. It is. It's the reason I saw Break Off, not Break Off all through. We all go through that. And then you'll get to my age and you'll be like, I don't give two fucks. Like, uh, you like I me, wish you I... like me. You don't like me. Well, Okay. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Ha- when these movies were coming out, I I definitely ha- didn't have that confidence. It's the reason I saw um, uh, Deliver Us from Evil in 2014 when I graduated high school. Uh-huh. I saw that movie twice. Just you know, I watched it one time with friends, and I was like, "Oh, that movie's terrible. Don't need to see that." But I love Eric Bana. And then a girl wants to see it, and I'm like, "Well, you know, I- I'll go with you. I live by the theater, and you're you're attractive and." I'm sure you, you wanted find to me accompany a nice young lady. She didn't have to go to the movie theater alone. You wanted to sp- spend some time and accompany her to a film. I think there's nothing wrong with that. Right. And then she said she really liked it. And I was like, yeah, let's that. I'll, <laughs> I'll text you later. And then I, I don't think I actually did. It's uh, probably the reason why I, her. Did you? I might've, I was, a I'm giving then. you the shame finger right now. I know. No. I, I got my just desserts when I took a girl to go see Mama, the movie that was produced uh-huh. by Guillermo del Toro, not directed. Not directed. And, uh, right. And she said she wanted to see it, and I was pretty excited to go see it. And uh, she stood me up, and she, she, you know, she, yeah. What goes around comes around. Yeah. I still what they saw, used to say. And exactly. You know. It's pretty true. It was the first movie I went to a theater to go see by myself. And, uh, yeah, it's all right. It's cool. <laughs> I love going to the theater by myself. Oh, I, it's almost my preferred it's the way best. of watching. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sit wherever I want. I got room. I get. I mm-hmm. can show up as early as I want. I'm not like having to wrangle people to get there mm-hmm. at the appropriate time. Mm-hmm. You don't have to share your snacks. <laughs> right. It, it feels like I feel like Travis Binkle, you know, except I'm not <laughs> watching a porno film. You know, I'm watching high art film. <laughs> I recently went to the Music Box Theater here in Chicago because it's like 10 minutes from my apartment. And they uh-huh. uh, the, the the Chicago Film Society did a special screening since October. They did a special screening of a new 35-millimeter print um, of Mask of the Red Death. Ooh. And, oh, my God. It was my first time watching that movie, too. And it was phenomenal. It was such a great time. The, pe- the theater was packed. I had a great seat. It was by myself. Chef's Kiss. That's a gorgeous film, and I've never Mm -hmm. seen it on the big screen. I bet that was incredible. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, for all of those who are afraid to go see movies by yourself, like you you might find that it's very enjoyable and it's worth your time. It is. Mm -hmm. And there's there's nothing wrong with going with the group, too. That can be fun, too. But sometimes you just want to see what you want to see, and you want to see it on your own terms. And yeah, I'm I'm a little picky. I'm a little picky with it when I go with because I can't just go with Daniel or like other bozo friends because it's like they're just gonna talk the whole movie, you know. Daniel doesn't talk just, the I, movie, not, does he? No, 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 he doesn't. He's I don't good. believe that. <laughs> I will never forget <laughs> the, the time. I'll never forget the time when I went to go see the Nightingale with Daniel in theaters, and uh, we were both shaky when we left the theater. Um, I remember like being like, "I'm afraid of everything now," so. Um, yeah, shot that out. Anyway, Carmelita, do you have anything else you'd like to say for The Exorcist 2? You know, I really enjoy this film. I honestly do. 
-hmm. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that it's one of the greatest horror films ever made. Like that would, that would be disingenuous. Mm-hmm. But I do think that it's a film with some great performances. It's great to look at. It's kind of bonk. It gets really bonkers by the end. So there's, it's it's just a good time. It's a good I, time. I like bonkers, honestly. Um, obviously, you knew that <laughs> because you've been on plenty of times where there's some scenes. <laughs> we talk about movies where there's scenes where they're like, eh, but like, you know, it still works. I like that. Yeah. This movie is far from being called the worst movie ever made. And I really do think it's because it has Exorcist in the title. You give this movie any sort of other title, it gives me almost like Jacob's Ladder vibes, you know? Mm, I can see that. And, and you know, J- Jacob's Ladder is so well regarded. It's very well received. And in this movie, because it has Exorcist, it has some of the same characters from the first movie. It's immediately compared to the first movie. And they're completely different types of movies. But I kind of have to respect that John Borman decided at 1977 to be like, yeah, fuck all that. I'm kind of going to do my own thing. I'll borrow some of that stuff. Because you're telling me to, but I'm gonna kind of just do my own thing. Yeah, I respect and, it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's pretty, it's pretty ballsy, and uh, I think it kind of delivers. Again, it's a, it's a great movie with uh, location. If you're into that, like, you know, it, it, it's, it takes you all over the place. It's got a great cast. the The score is great. If you're going in for scares, like if you're going in like for the Exorcist type of scares. You're gonna be disappointed, yeah. But it's if not you like that. the ex, yeah. But if you like the Exorcist and you want to look, if you want, it's like it's like Nirvana's B sides. You know what I mean? Like, like if you're interested in that kind of thing, like it's there for you to do. And uh, I think, you know, as someone who enjoys just film in general, if there's more to a movie that I like, then I'm gonna go ahead and check it out. You know what I mean? I know. Mm-hmm. This is the thing that I know and understand. Right, and if you like Italian horror films, I think this movie is going to be right up your alley. I really do think. It gives me, like, the beyond. It's not as great as the beyond, but some parts of it feels like the beyond. The vibes. Yes. No, I I get what you... I can see that. I can see what Mm -hmm. you're saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, and I I think... Like, this... Like I said, my friend, you need to see mm -hmm. Zardos. That's your homework assignment. (laughs) Zardos and Excalibur. Because yeah. you'll you'll see the the John Borman of it all, the way he likes to use lighting and and um, you know light and dark and color and like he has an eye for really yeah like, pretty shots. It's in there. It's it's in those films and it's in this one too. Mm-hmm. Well, I definitely need to check out his caliber because I have a bad taste with um, authorian films after the Green Knight, so I need to watch a good one. No, you need, yeah, you need to see it. And now I will tell you, Excalibur is on the long side, but I think it's worth it. There's some great performances in that. Mm -hmm. Um, Zardos is fucking wild. It's wild. You, you, I highly recommend it. Good, good. People are, people, some people are listening right now and going, that's crazy. (laughs) She's crazy. And no, I, I mean, I might be. But no, no, way. I'm, co- I'm coming out hard for, yeah. for Zardos. Screen Factory better like fucking send us money for <laughs> promoting its Blu-ray release of this movie. <laughs> I mean, even like a 50 percent off coupon. 
Yeah, seriously. Screen Factory. Send Carbolita a Blu-ray <laughs> copy of this movie with the slipcover, please. Um, I'm a believer. I'm a believer in Exorcist II, The Heretic. <laughs> I think it has also one of the coolest names of any sequel. Like, The Heretic. It just sounds so, so, like, out, not outrageous, so, like, defiant, you know? It's yeah. so aggressive. I like it. Um, also, I love how the Lotus is, like, the symbol for this movie, too, which I think is awesome. Um but yeah, it gives like Silence of the Silence of the Lamb type of feel, you know, with the butterfly there, which I think is an interesting parallel. But there's other a lot than of, that, there's a lot of cool okay. imagery in this. It's it's give it a shot, people. I mean, give it one seriously. more chance. Give it one more chance. I think it is at least worth checking out. It's on HBO Max, and if like you don't have HBO Max, it's a great streaming service with awesome titles, and. Put the Heretic 2 maybe on there and just check it out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What have you got to lose? Seriously. What? Yeah, seriously. Like, just check it out. And I think The Exorcist is also on there. So you could just do double feature that night. Or watch The Exorcist at night and then watch The Exorcist 2 in the morning while you're drinking coffee and eating your breakfast. Yeah, yeah. Because that's kind of how I did it. the collective subconscious. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm -hmm. uh, but other than that, Carmelita... Where can people find you if they didn't already know where you were? Where I where I'm lurking? Yes. You... Where can we find those awesome <laughs> tweets of yours? Well, I'm on Twitter and Letterboxd. Mm -hmm. Same handle for both at Carmelita says. Mm -hmm. And I highly recommend following Carmelita for all her awesome content. And she's also guesting all the time on wonderful podcasts that are very entertaining. Mm -hmm. So yeah, check her out definitely <laughs> there. Um, but yeah, Carmelita again. Thank you so much for being on the podcast to talk about. Like I, I was telling everyone um, in my close circle where I don't even care what my thoughts were with heretic, the with the heretic. I'm just going to call it that. Um, the fact that I finally got to watch Exorcist too. Like I got a reason because I'd been wanting to watch it for a while. Um, and I was like, now I have a reason to watch it, you know, because it's like, I had to watch the Exorcist. I've seen that movie plenty of times. Now I have a purpose. And uh, I'm so yeah, happy. I, I'm I could so glad share I... this with you. Mm -hmm. I love talking mm -hmm. movies with you, Chris. So thank yes. you again for having me yeah. back. I'm so glad that you got to experience the heretic. Mm -hmm. And that I could I could share in that with you. I think it's awesome. Yes. And again, I think your take on movies are awesome. You know, regardless of what, you know, the general consensus is with movies, it's always a good time <laughs> to di dive into these movies I, and convert you know? some I mean, believe it or not, with the Alien 3 episode, I've gotten people who's like, wow, who were like, wow, Alien 3 is actually not that bad. Or like, I actually gave it another chance because of this and enjoyed oh, it. And it's like that makes my heart so ooey gooey mm -hmm. and warm. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. That makes like, me happy. Yeah. Just at least check out the 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 exorcist too. Um, and if you contribute to the negative talk, like you're not going to be this big brains, but also like just check it out, give it a chance. You especially this in the in this world of eight two four films and all these like thought provoking films. Maybe the heretic might be an underrated gem at this point. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Possible, and you know, people don't like it. That's cool too, man. There's something mm -hmm. for everybody. It's mm -hmm. all very subjective. We all have different tastes and interests and it's all good. Mm -hmm. But I agree. I mean, definitely, I would say if you haven't watched it in a while or if you've never watched it because the negative hype. Right. Kind of put you off, I would say, give it a shot. Check it out. Exactly. 
Give movies a shot, especially in October. There's so many different types of horror movies out. Maybe ones that look absolutely dreadful. Go watch that horror movie. You might end up liking it and then championing it on a podcast like I do. Um, <laughs> but again, if you like this episode, um, and you got please good feel stuff free. coming up all month long. I I do. I I, I hate to brag. Again, the self-deprecating is coming in, but I hate to brag, but I'm going to pop off. But yeah, if you like this episode, please follow this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you check out your podcast. Follow us on uh, Twitter, too, at SequelPod um, as well. And then email the show if you ever like to at SequelPod at gmail.com for your thoughts and recommendations. Uh, Check out the YouTube channel at Hurtastic Reviews. We've been doing really fun stuff about Mount Rushmore horror films. Um, and again, I will be, don't forget to subscribe to schlock and awe because I will be on there to give my soapbox conversation on resident evil two and Halloween two. Again, a very Ooh. passionate episode. So yeah, check out that. I'm looking schlock forward to that. Awe. Yeah. I was pretty proud of that one too, <laughs> but also check us out next Friday where we are going to be talking with Mark Wheaton about Hellraiser four bloodline on the cusp of the new Hellraiser movie coming out. And then check out our other episodes where we'll have the directors of Nightmare on Elm Street um, 2, or uh, the Scream Queen documentary, Roman Tremonti and Tyler Jensen, and then our surprise mystery guest nice. at the end of the month as well. So follow me on Twitter at Hurtastic underscore Chris. Um, but other than this, if you're not giving The Heretic a chance, do you really care about horror movies? Other than that, we'll see you next time. <laughs>